All sports, all the time. There's heroes and there's legends. Heroes get remembered. Legends never die. This is the Spoken Podcast. Hold your ears, folks. It's showtime. I'm your host, Lance Woodwell. Man, that kid, he can ball, man. He can ball. Touchdown, Kansas City! Man with freaking Mahomes, baby! Uh, let's talk some sports, because that's what we're here to do. You are tuned in to the Spoken. Spoken. Ladies and gentlemen, here is Lance this is the Spoken Podcast. I'm your host, Lance Twidwell, here inside the Spoken Studios with my guy, Eddie Ortiz. Yo, yo, yo. Our guy, Trevor Twidwell, is out this week. He has a rather busy life, like most of us, and sometimes he catches them on a Friday, and uh, it's unfortunate. I love when you know Trevor goes on his uh, baritone rants, if you will, <laughs> but we don't get those tonight. Yeah, he's too cool for us tonight. He's too cool for us tonight. Uh, FedEx requires his services, and so therefore we must move on, and we get our episode one cast tonight. You know, episode one is when Eddie and I decided to patch this thing together and make something of it, and I think it's uh, gone pretty well. We're <laughs> on 104 damn episodes at this point, and we have added Trevor. We've had countless great guests and yeah, we went, have it went so well we had to add trevor yeah yeah we're like you know what dude we are <laughs> yeah. gonna fucking flop get trevor call trevor yes. now well he's your brother i don't care you call him <laughs> yeah you know uh but no we got some we got some we've had some great guests like i said in the past and we have a great guest for you guys tonight former chiefs defensive end von booker one of my guys growing up as a chiefs fan of the 90s a young kid in the 90s Watching the, him and that defense dominate the way that they did, I cannot wait to have my guy on the show. He will be on here moment, momentarily to talk about the late, great Marty Schottenheimer, what it was like playing for him, you know, his, his, his general experiences in the NFL, what he experienced playing for the Chiefs and Cincinnati and other places as well, guys. We're going to get a lot from him. We got the Eddie Hour. We got the Monday Mailbag from you guys. We got to give out some L's. That is an obligation of ours here at the Spoken Podcast. But first and foremost, before we do anything else, like I do every single week, I like to start out, start to show up by showing some gratitude to the ones that make this thing possible. And that is you, the listener, you, the viewer, for all of our live streamers, YouTubers, and podcasters, the OGs, as I like to call you guys on the podcast side. Thank you so much for taking the time and letting us have some of your time each and every week as we like to talk some sports and uh, we've got nothing but positive feedback or just general feedback. I mean, it don't always have to be positive. I mean, it can just be po- just feedback, period, and we'll take it. We're thankful for all you guys, and we just want to tell you we appreciate you being here as long as you guys have been. If it's your first show, I think that is a pretty damn good show to start it off with. Because if you're a Chiefs fan and you're over the age of, like, 18, you you know who Von Booker was. And uh, those 90s years, man, they were a lot of fun. Uh, I could sit here and talk with our guys Shaggy Shane and Clay Windler about the 90s for – 90 hours. I mean, it's just that there were so many great opportunities that team had to really win in the playoffs as I need to silence my phone. I always tell Eddie and Trevor, hey, make sure and silence your guys' phones. And what do you know? Shaggy Shane hit me up on Twitter. It's the karma of it all, man. But I want to start the show tonight with something that is a little bit more current, if you will. I know we're going to go back in time with our guy, Von Booker. But I, I I want to start the show tonight with potential. Now, we all know that this Chiefs team, as currently constructed, constructed, has accessed 
on their potential uh, success. They've they've been successful with the potential they've had. You know, beginning of 2018, we knew Patrick Mahomes got potential. The Chiefs team, they got potential. You know, 2019, you know, they they almost got there in 2018 in the AFC Championship. There, it was the overtime. They just lost to Brady. This 2019 Chiefs team's got potential. And then the 2020 season, the Chiefs have potential to run it back. And now we're looking at this team and we're thinking, they still got potential, right? Of course they do. And the weird thing about it for me, looking at this team as they continually grow and change and adapt and evolve, because as we all know, anybody that's watched the NFL for any length of time, no team is the same back-to-back years. Now, the Chiefs of 2019 and 2020 were about as damn near close as it's ever been to having almost the exact same team, like a replica version of the team from the previous season. Uh, the 03 and 04 Patriots are a team that come to mind, but this Chiefs team of the last two years is a rare constructed team of being so similar. Well, a lot of changes are going to be made this offseason, and I mean a lot. A lot of starters are going to be gone from the previous season, a lot, of, a lot of cuts that I don't think a lot of ex- people are expecting, nor are they really re- ready for as a Chiefs fan. But that's the part. That's a part of the business side of football. That's a part of how you construct a winner, how you can continue to construct a winner. If, if we know anything about dynasties, if we know anything about teams that string along championships in a, in a 10-year window, they have to make tough decisions. I mean, even if you look back, one of the most beloved quarterbacks of all time in Joe Montana, San Francisco. He won four Super Bowls in a decade with the San Francisco 49ers with Bill Walsh. And, you know, you're thinking, oh, he's got a lifetime to play with the 49ers. They're never going to part ways with him. And then they went and got Steve Young from the Buccaneers. And then what do you know? They, they start playing Steve Young a little bit. Like, like, like the Saints play Taysom Hill with Drew Brees every once in a while. Only Steve Young was actually good at quarterback, at the quarterback position. And then before you know it, when Joe Montana misses an entire season, he gets traded to the Kansas City Chiefs. And then the Steve Young era begins. What I'm basically saying is that there is nothing guaranteed in this in this league, and, that, and that's, a, that's the tough part about this. And Chiefs fans understand that all too well. And I want Chiefs fans to be prepared for that very same thing because although the warm and fuzzies of bringing everything back last season really did make things seem so familiar, and it made us almost more of a family than any other team before. This offseason, guys, is going to be a lot more cutthroat. And there is a uh, the, the 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 depressing, sad side of that, and there's also the really positive side of that. What I mean by that is we all know the Chiefs aren't going to be the only team. They're going to be making big-time changes. There are going to be a lot of teams out there that are going to be cutting weight because, as we've been hearing, the cap structure is going to go down or at least stay around the same. I believe last season it was sitting at right under $200 million, around $198 million for a cap for cap space. The rumor is it's going to be around $180 to $185. Now, they did say it will not go below $175, and we're really hoping, especially here in Kansas City with the Chiefs' current cap structure, that it does not go to $175. Personally, I don't think that's going to happen. I think that it's going to be around $185 at the end of all this. Yeah, I think Adam Schefter said uh, we're looking at $180 minimum. Right. I think it's going to be at the lowest $180. Now, if it gets to $180, I think the Chiefs are going to be real in really good shape to make some moves. And we and we talked about that a little bit last week about some of the small moves the Chiefs can do with you know roster bonuses, going to signing bonuses, and really opening up cap space. Uh, our Arrowhead pride, John Dixon, one of the, he made an incredible piece today that I put on Twitter 
about how just a few of these small moves that I touched on even last week could open up anywhere from 37 to $47 million in cap space for the Chiefs this offseason. Just a few small moves. Now, prolonged, you're going to have to worry about you know cap structure with all the cap hits and stuff like that for Patrick Mahomes, Chris Jones, Travis Kelsey, but those are franchise players. You live with that. <clears throat> but some of the things that we have to remember, guys, is a lot of other teams like the Saints and Vikings and 49ers and some of these other teams that have depth and really good talent, veteran talent, are going to have to cut some of these guys because of the way that the cap is going to inevitably go down just a little bit. And so if you look at the Chiefs and you look at what they've been doing lately, and we know one thing about Brett Veach, Chiefs uh, general manager Brett Veach, is extremely aggressive. Now, last offseason, he wasn't as aggressive, and, and, and there was a lot of variables to consider. I mean, you're talking about COVID. You're talking about a lot of restrictions for the Chiefs to not be able to make moves outside of their own place. That's why they resigned a lot of guys that they already knew and were very familiar with because also their markets weren't really big out there. I think Demarcus Robinson, had it been a normal offseason, he wouldn't have returned. Uh, there's a good chance Sammy Watkins doesn't return if it, if it was a normal offseason. Some team out there would have overspent for him. Who's to say? I mean, L LDT and Damian Williams would have played. You know, do the Chiefs take Lucas Niang in the draft? I mean, the, there's a lot of things to consider about the aggressiveness and why why Brett Beach wasn't as aggressive last offseason as the, as the offseason previous. Well, this offseason, I do expect, I fully expect Brett Veach to be as aggressive as he was after the 2018 season. Reason being, there's going to be a lot more comfortability in moving players in the NFL this time around with vaccinations and more of a, a familiarity of how to work around COVID this time around than last time because it was right in the midst of the, the heated time of, of the pandemic. Not that we're out of the woods or anything, but it was very new at that time. And so... I, I fully anticipate that we're going to see a lot more of Lavian Bell type of players coming to Kansas City this offseason. Why do I say that? Once again, there's going to be the Chiefs are going to have a lot of cap space very soon. Do not fr get freaked out about the 18 million over the cap right now. That is not going to be the case very soon. Come March, you're going to see 30 to 50 million dollars in cap space for the Chiefs to utilize. 100% guarantee that's going to happen. And when it does, you're going to see the Chiefs start to really rule some of these names out. Now, I did lay out some names. I said I want, I really want to see the Chiefs get Brandon Scherf from Washington. They can absolutely afford him when all this goes down. Corey Davis from, uh, from the Tennessee Titans. I would love to see Solomon Thomas as a flyer at linebacker. Instead of having to use a draft pick on a guy like that, you can just go and get a 26-year-old Solomon Thomas at $5, 6000000 million a year or just a one-year deal. Uh, Jason Kelsey might get cut. I'd be very open-minded to getting him on a one-year deal as the center of the Chiefs and try to groom somebody else behind him. Um, you go and get maybe a Cam Robinson, play tackle, value, 25 years old. So for, the, for, the, for the amount of money you're not going to have to spend on him, he might be the ultimate prize piece for the Chiefs in free agency. There's big-time rumors, guys, about Von Miller coming to Kansas City. Just stay tuned on all that. There's a lot of opportunity for the Chiefs, and the reason why I bring Le'Veon Bell up is because with the hits come the misses. And if we're going to be honest here for a second, Le'Veon Bell, it was a failure. Okay, the signing did not work. It was exciting. You know, we sat here on this show. We talked about how, oh my God, this is a the, the, this is a picture perfect opportunity for the Chiefs because he's still got something left. He fits this offense perfectly. We wanted him, you know, two off seasons ago. You know what I mean? Like this was a guy we wanted in 2018, and it didn't happen. Then we finally get him, and nothing happened. <laughs> he played no role in this team for the what last eight weeks of the season that he was on this team. 
And so you feel this, like, the sense of, of disappointment, and you can't help but feel that way because it was a disappointment. But the reason why I want to say that this Le'Veon Bell signing was a good thing is because of the fact that Le'Veon Bell is going to leave Kansas City this offseason with zero complaints. And if we know anything about players in all leagues, they talk to other veterans. They talk to other players. And if you look at any player that has come that has played at Kansas City where they were drafted there or signed there for a short period of time and moved on and went elsewhere, every single one of them could say nothing but good things about their experience. Go listen to LaShawn McCoy. For as much as and as much as he's talked about Tom Brady and his experience with the Buccaneers winning his second straight ring while doing nothing, he always talks about what Andy Reid meant to him and what it was like to play for the Chiefs and reuniting with Andy Reid in Kansas City and playing with Patrick Mahomes because he actually did contribute here in Kansas City. And so with Le'Veon Bell, I don't believe he's going to be back next season with the Chiefs. I think he's either going to retire or he's going to play somewhere. Yeah, he's going to probably go to Miami this time around. He's probably going to go to a place where he can have some real legitimate opportunity to play football. Yeah, I think he's going to chase money more than And that's fine because he tried to get a ring this time. It didn't work out for him. I feel bad, but that's how it goes sometimes. And so he's going to the Bucs. This is, this is what I want people to understand. The Chiefs are now, and I know we've talked about this before, but more so than ever, now that they've established themselves as a perennial Super Bowl contender. They've been to back-to-back Super Bowls. Should have been three straight. I'll di- I digress, though. Now that they've been, a, they've established themselves as the face of the league, the face of the AFC, the class of the AFC, you're going to see more Lavian Bell types willingly come to Kansas City for that fact alone. Because of the fact, and, and, and this should excite Chiefs fans, because although it didn't work with Le'Veon Bell, with the misses come the hits. Because you also saw Terrell Suggs at the very end of his career do that exact same thing with Kansas City, and it worked out for Terrell, and he actually contributed to a ring. You know, you've seen guys like Rashad Breeland come here on a flyer in his late mid to late 20s with not a lot of expectation, but he was here to play a role. And he ended up being the number one corner on this team for a couple of years and help win, help win a Super Bowl, help get to another one. And he's probably going to make some big money in this. So with that also, the benefit of being a free agent coming to Kansas City even on a short-term deal. Let's say there's going to be a bunch of guys, and I think this is how this offseason is going to go. I think you're going to see a bunch of veteran free agents go to teams like the Chiefs and the Bucks and teams like that with actual the Packers, if the Packers want to play free agency for once. You're going to see a lot of these veteran guys that have made some money go and try to get themselves a ring because they know more than likely – they don't have a long career left, let alone in Kansas City, let's say, for instance. And so if they get another opportunity after playing in Kansas City, let's say they get to a Super Bowl, let's say they win a ring, you now have that Super Bowl tax attached to you. Look at Demarcus Robinson. Not a great player by any means. Some fans love him out here in Kansas City. I'm not the biggest fan of him personally. But he's going to probably more than likely go somewhere else this offseason. And Demarcus Robinson is going to make money. Because of the fact he played a role, minor albeit, but a role on a Super Bowl team two straight seasons. He's going to have that Super Bowl tax attached to him. So there is a lot of incentive before, during, and after a Chiefs tenure for these veterans to come to Kansas City. The excitement of knowing you could potentially play for a Super Bowl, the potential of actually playing in a Super Bowl, the potential of winning a Super Bowl, and the money that follows that, the endorsements, the advertisements. I mean, there are so many guys. I mean, look at J.J. Watt, for instance. He's already a marketing you know, a savant. I mean, this guy does everything, does TV, does radio. He's super marketable, right? Let's say J.J. Watt decides to sign with Kansas City and gets a one-year deal, $18 million. 
wins a Super Bowl next season with the Chiefs. You don't think that that marketability goes up twice as much? You don't think that Watts' legacy goes up that much? He's already a first ballot Hall of Famer. He has nothing left to prove. But you can put a ring next to that legacy or inside that legacy, things change substantially, even for greats like J.J. Watt. So imagine the trickle-down of these guys that are middle-tier uh, uh, free agent veterans that have been in the league six, seven years. They're getting into their 30s. They know they only got maybe one, two more seasons to really prove themselves or be on a great team. If they know that that would change things substantially for a great like J.J. Watts, they'd be fooling themselves to go anywhere else. So although the money might still be out there in other places, and it's not like you'd be playing here for free in Kansas City, the incentive that follows with coming to Kansas City and all the potential that follows it is going to bring you money that you never thought you'd ever see in your entire life. So I don't know what your thoughts are, Eddie, on this. I may be giving me some takeaway on this. Do you envision that this offseason is going to be one that Veach really puts the pedal to the metal and gets those guys, like I'm talking about, the one-year deals, just prove-it deals, guys that really just want to get it, they're motivated to get their first championship or another championship on their uh, on their uh, their trophy case? Yes, uh, th- I think this 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 is going to be Veach's uh, biggest offseason uh, as a chief Reason being is he's coming off a, a back-to-back Super Bowls. He's he, he's uh, defending. He was defending one, and he lost it. Obviously, he's gonna come back with like he's gonna want to come back with the vengeance. He's he's gonna he's gonna want to make the Super Bowl again. Uh, go back to a Super Bowl three three straight years. This is the season that it's really gonna put him like in that in that position where if he gets it right or if he gets it wrong, then. That's that's where uh, people are going to be start being able to cr- criticize who, who he is as a as a GM, and so yeah, like you said, bringing all all those uh, veteran uh, players, uh, one year deals and all that stuff. Veach is really great at uh, adjusting money. We saw seven uh, was it seven dollar cap space last season. Uh, he was able to sign Chris Jones, ex- extend fucking Travis Kelsey, extend uh, Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. So we saw we saw him work with seven dollars. And, and like you said, there's a lot of a lot of moves that he can make and and, and stuff like that. I do believe that this is going to be a free agent. Uh, I guess you could say city or team. Uh, I know uh, was it the Patriots were that kind of free agent destiny where like veteran players went to play and kind of try and just get that ring. You know what I mean? So if Veach was to be aggressive this this offseason, he would possibly go for Von Miller, go for JJ Watt, trying to trying to trying to go for that for that Super Bowl again, trying to go for that three time Super Bowl. Uh that so like I said, this is gonna be one hell of an offseason for Veach. And he I think he is more than ready and capable of bringing those type of free agents to the city. Yes, Le'Veon Bell didn't work out the way we planned, but I do believe that with him being able to, uh, if he goes to a different team and him talking to different free agents, you know, hey, Le'Veon, how, what do you think about Kansas City? You know, like I'm thinking of a one-year deal, maybe taking three, four million dollars, you know, just try and get a Super Bowl. I'm sure he has nothing bad to say about the city. We took him in and we showed him nothing but love, and I'm sure the Kansas City players did the same thing. So that's that's going to be a key factor. We saw LaShawn McCoy. He was the one that started really this whole thing. And uh, we saw what he did. He disappeared towards the end of the season, kind of what Le'Veon Bell happened. At the beginning of the season, he was kind of, you know, 
playing a little bit more snaps and then towards the end of the season, like towards the playoffs, he just he was non existent. Right. Kind of the same as LaShawn McCoy. But I do think that with uh McCoy probably being able to talk to, you know, Le'Veon Bell or maybe say something in an interview or something that Le'Veon was listening to or something, you know, that kind of made made his decision a little easier of where he wanted to go. He made it to the Super Bowl. He lost it, but at least he made a Super Bowl. So I do think free agents are going to want to come to this this city. Uh, are we going to get them? Who knows? That's going to be up to Beach. Well, the cool – also the thing to, to be excited about, if I'm, a, if I'm a veteran player – is looking at this Chiefs team right now as currently constructed, I'm thinking there's about four or five different positions right now where the Chiefs have legitimate needs. If you're a linebacker, if you're a wide receiver, if you're an offensive lineman, you're a defensive end, you're a cornerback, this this Chiefs team could absolutely use you. Oh, yeah. I mean, you're talking about guys that you might not have big market value. Yep. This is what this those, is what those big. middle those middle tier kind of guys. You know what I mean? Yes. Like not those top top veterans, but those middle tier who can actually get give you a, 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 a let's say eighty percent of what they used to. You know, that's still really good. Yeah, and you're talking about guys that okay. Look at the veterans that aren't old, like uh, Allen Robinson. Yeah, Chris Godwin. You're not going to go after guys like that for the the, the Chiefs aren't going to go after those guys because you're they're going to get insane buku dollars. Oh yeah, they're going to the current get, team. Or the next team. And so, and, and quite frankly, at the, especially at the wide receiver position, the Chiefs are not going to have to go and get guys like Allen Robinson and Chris Godwin, although it would be great, ideally, to add that type of talent to your roster. What the Chiefs are looking for, in particular like with the wide receiver position, is just a guy that can help, you, you know, the third down plays, third and six. Get a guy that can get yeah. a first down. Physical, a little bit bigger, because you already have Tyreek Hill, who's a little more of an undersized receiver, but he's a speedster. Yeah. McCole Hardman hasn't developed yet. Like you're not looking for the guys that are going to be asking for 17 to 20 a year. Yeah. You're looking for the Corey Davises, like I said, that they're going to get you know eight to nine million a year, but they're going to they're going to fit the mold perfectly for a long run for the Chiefs on this offensive side of things. And I'm with Kent Swanson from Arrowhead Pride. He says numerous times that every single offseason the Chiefs need to continually give Patrick Mahomes more weapons, even though you know how great he is. He's going to continue to yeah. be great. You want to continue to give him as many weapons as possible because that's what other greats have gotten in their in their, in their their yeah. careers, like Peyton Manning. Even Tom Brady's gotten a ton of weapons throughout his career. People try to downplay it. Oh, no. He's had a Hall of Famer after Hall of Famer on, on the offensive side. Uh, like I said, Peyton Manning, you, you have Drew Brees. All these guys, their teams continually give them more weapons to keep them at their best. And so – I think that, like I said, this is this is a this is an this is an off season to benefit the veteran player. I think that you're going to see because last off season it wasn't. You didn't see a lot of big time signing. Now the Chiefs, obviously, the the guys they retained yeah. and extended and things of that nature, yes. But I think this is going to be a very very different off season. Even though with the cap, considering the cap dropping a little bit potentially, I think that you're going to see teams like the Chiefs. Uh, teams like the Buccaneers, uh, the Colts. You already seen the Colts make some moves, getting Carson Wentz. Th- those these teams that are either fringe contenders or already contenders with yeah. cap space are going to make some serious moves. I really do expect that. Yeah, and I do think if if the Chiefs were to bring a veteran wide receiver, I think that would help out Michael Michael Harmon a lot because he can learn a lot from the from that veteran. Even if it's not an All Star veteran, you know, it, it, just with the the experience and the years he has in the league. He can tell him what he's seen throughout the years, throughout his career. Let's say he's played 10 seasons. That would, Let's say they bring a wide receiver that's played 10 seasons in the league. That can be crucial 
for for Miko and and his development. Yeah. You know, he can like learn the skills of like how he uh, how that veteran wide receiver adjusted to to adversity or something like that. Right. You know. So that can be really good for Miko, and it can also be really good for Tyreek. Tyreek's not that old. Yeah, we can call him a veteran because he's been in the league, what, six six plus seasons, I think? Are you talking about? Tyreek? Uh, next season will be his sixth season, I believe. So you can kind of consider him a veteran, but he's still young. So uh, that veteran presence can also help out Tyreek and help him – develop more into his prime you know what i mean yeah so that could be crucial uh veteran players bring that knowledge of the game and and they help that uh the young talent and so yeah that, that can be, be a good thing well and and before we get out of this uh this segment and get to the eddie hour i i, I do want to ask a question because i felt like this was interesting we put this on our uh, twitter page at the spoken pod earlier today if the Chiefs were to, let's say, trade their first overall pick this season, which veteran player would you want it to be that they traded it for? Eddie, do you have anybody in mind, just off the top of your head, that you say, you know what, if they were to trade their first overall pick, I believe it's 31st overall, who would you want, which veteran player in the league right now would you want that to play? Give, give me Orlando Brown. Oh, I like it. You know, you, our minds are in the same place because I actually said either Ryan Remchek or David Bakhtiari. Now, Bakhtiari is obviously injured, yeah. but I think he'll be healthy right around the time the season starts or at least close what was to it. it. An Achilles injury? Yeah. Well, no, he, uh, ACL. ACL. Yeah. Oof. So he, he'll he'll yeah, bounce he'll be back. back. Yeah, he'll be back by the season. Ryan Ramchek from the Saints would be a guy. I If you put him in this on this offensive line right now, see, that's what I'm saying. Like That's where I'm, my mind's at. Like Every time I'm thinking of – Veteran free agents. I'm thinking of a guy that's protecting Patrick Mahomes, or is giving him an is giving him another option. Yeah, you know what I mean. I, I know the defensive side. I, I love the idea of adding a veteran on that side. But for me, and we're going to talk about this as the offseason progresses, when you get closer to the 2021 season, I, I really like the idea of getting young depth on the defensive side too, oh, because yes. of the fact that it's not that the defense is old, but it's not young. I mean, you have you have young players like you have Legarius Sneed, you have Rashad Fenton. Chris Jones will be 27 next season. He's not a young player anymore. Tyron Matthew will be 29. Frank Clark will be 29. Those are your core pieces. Uh, Daniel Sorensen, if he comes back, he'll be I'll be 33. Um, Juan Thornhill's young. Like I said, it's a, it's a mixed bag. It's a, yeah, it's a bad. But, but I would like to see a little bit more youth. Selfishly, I would like to see uh, Spags get his guys draft his guys on the ah. defensive side and really implement that system where that's the only system Ooh. they know at the defensive so, side. So you would go uh, defense in the draft and then veterans for offense. I say that, but if I knew that the Chiefs could get a Von Miller or J.J. Watt, I'd say sign me up. So there's a free agent veteran right there. <laughs> and then I also, if, if I knew that the Chiefs could get the, a stud left tackle in the draft, I would say get that guy too. I'm saying if – the majority of the picks could go to one side or the other. I think the majority of the picks I would choose to go on the defensive side. I because I believe that there are there are enough uh, young offensive free agents out there right now to grab. Like if the Chiefs were to get Cam Robinson or a Brandon Scherf, and then add a Corey Davis, you're still oh, only spending yeah. about twenty million dollars, and you just added two mid twenties guys into this offense. So although they're not draft picks. You're still getting young, young enough talent to be here for the next three or four years if you really want them to be, or at worst, give you a couple seasons of really good football. Yeah, so, you already know what they're made of in the NFL. You right. don't have to, you don't have to kind of like 
you know, find out the exactly. hard way. Brandon Scherf is already, he's one of the best guards in the NFL already. The the top coveted guard in free agency. Cam Robinson, I don't even know how the hell this dude hasn't signed already with somebody. He's 25 years old and he's an absolute stud tackle. Chiefs would absolutely love to get him. Uh, and Corey Davis, I think he's going to be one of those guys that you just see kind of fall through. You know, all these big time names are getting signed. Chris Godwin goes back to the Bucks. Allen Robinson goes somewhere and gets paid big money. You're going to see like Juju Smith-Schuster go to the Raiders, places like that. Corey Davis is going to be sitting there. I would love for the Chiefs to attack that. So I'm going to leave it there, guys. We're going to, like I said, we got a lot of offseason left to talk about these things, to discuss these things. It's a fun time of the year to discuss these things. But nevertheless, I'm going to leave it there. You guys let us know what you think. We're going to, uh, shit, hit us up on the Spoken Pod on face on Twitter, uh, Facebook. Hit us up on, on the groups. There's just the Spoken. But in the meantime, we're going to go to Eddie at the Eddie Hour. We'll get back to that after this. Commandeer is Kansas City's alternative apparel brand. They make unique Kansas City-themed apparel and accessories with an emphasis on counterculture. They're nominated for two Best of KC 2019 awards in the Pitch Magazine and have plenty of designs for both sports fans and anyone else. Find them online at commandeerbrand.com or follow them at Commandeer on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Soft shirts, designed with an edge. Back at it again on the Spoken Podcast for segment number two. I am your host, Lance Twiddle, here inside the Spoken Studios with my guy, Eddie Ortiz. Yo, yo, yo. What's yeah, because Trevor's too cool for us. <laughs> yeah, his, uh, we haven't seen a lot of stories us getting tagged in Instagram stories that have just Trevor. You know, I love that. Like He's like, the Spoken Pod, and it's just him it's and his just, stories. Yeah. That's my favorite part of his stories. You know, it's like, yeah, there are other people that actually exist on this show. The, there are three voices. Just one guy, though, on the stories. It's crazy how that works. Yeah. Uh, but nevertheless, it is time for the Eddie Hour. Uh, I love this segment every time because I feel like Eddie really likes to flex his um, mind muscles, if you will, and giving us some thought-provoking, potentially triggering-type questions. So, Eddie, nevertheless, what's happening in the Eddie Hour this week, Bob? All right, man. Um, this is just a, a question because I've been seeing a lot, of, a lot of things on Twitter, just, you know, of fans talking and – you know, speculation and stuff like that. Will we see Drew Brees return in 2021? No, I don't think so. Um, biggest reason why, it's not even just because of the fact that he didn't play well this season, that he got more banged up than he has since 2003 with the Chargers. It's the fact that Drew Brees wanted to retire last offseason. And Sean Payton um, was was – basically the guy that convinced him because of his long-term relationship with, with Drew Brees as his head coach to give him one more season. And it's funny that Sean Payton asks Drew Brees to come back with $24 million against the cap, and then he pays Taysom Hill $16 million and then goes and signs Jameis Winston. But nevertheless, um, no, I, I, think it's, I think it's a foregone conclusion. I think it's tough for Drew Brees to give it up because he is a god in New Orleans despite his questionable at best statements uh before the season he is still the greatest thing that has ever happened to the new orleans saints uh he is one of the three greatest quarterbacks in my opinion of all time three to five but we can debate that for another time i think that he he gave everything he had i think that you saw his body breaking down he doesn't have his arm left he he, he just cannot 
move the ball and lead this offense like he once what once was able to. That that defense is so stout. Their coaching staff is so good that they made up for a lot of that. But for me, for them to play Taysom Hill as much as they did, to have Jameis Winston come into that playoff game against the Buccaneers to just give that offense any type of juice, and it did work, um, that tells me that even Sean Payton, the biggest Drew Brees fan, that convinced him to play another season knew deep down that there he doesn't have anything left. So that's it. And you saw the way he left and him and Tom Brady Tom embracing. Brady, yeah. I know they're great friends. They're both old as shit. But – you saw it. Like, you can just feel the finality in it all. And it'd be really weird for Drew to say, okay, I'm going to try one more time. Nah, I, I think the book's written. I think Drew Brees is a very self-aware man, and I think he's going to he's gonna bow out. All right, man. I don't know if you saw this. Uh, I, I don't know how much you follow on sports. I do follow a, a different time. I don't know if you saw the reaction of Serena Williams after her loss to Osaka in the semifinals. Uh she did not take that loss really well. Uh, during her post uh, post game conference or uh, post match conference, uh, she was pretty much questioned about her future. She started crying and just left the left the uh, conference like without saying anything. She just got up and left. Do you do you think it's time for her to to kind of step away and let Naomi Osaka kind of take that throne from like not take the throne but kind of like I guess take that next step, you know, because she's the up and coming young superstar. She's already amazing. So so the, I think she's the number one ranked tennis player yeah, in the world. Yeah. So do you think it's time for Serena uh to kind of step away from the sport or do you do you see her like coming back and, you know, still play at a top level or like, like what are your thoughts about the whole uh, comfort? Like well, Osaka, and- for one, to start it off, Osaka is, I think she's already taken the torch. I think that was proven even before that match. Osaka has just been dominating. I mean, she, I, she is the number one player in all women's tennis. Um, Serena is to me, I don't even think it's a question. She's the greatest woman tennis player of all time. In my opinion, she's probably the greatest tennis player period of all time. Um, she's one of the true goats of all sports figures ever. She 23 um, uh, championships, uh, major championships. I, I I just think it's the problem with being that great though for so long. Cause I mean, she's, she's been great since she was a teenager. She's 39. Yeah, she's, now. Been in the, she's been in the sport. What for about as long as Tom Brady has been. Yeah. It's been the early two thousands. Yeah. 20 plus. Yeah. You're talking since 2000, 2001, her and her she's sister. What, Venus. Late, she's what? She's late 30. She's, yeah, she's late 30. Um, I, I the emotion, I don't see. Here's the thing. I just got to talk about Drew Brees and the finality, and you felt that emotion. I felt the emotion in that presser as well. But for me, with Serena in particular, if you've if you've watched her throughout the years, this isn't the first time she's gotten that kind of emotion or been gotten that kind of emotion during uh, press conferences. That and it, honestly, the questions were kind of rough and get a little unfair. Talking about was it just a bad day at the office? No, Osaka's just better than her now. Like it, it isn't about Serena playing bad. It's about Osaka's just better than her. She does not class her. She's 16, 17 years younger, I think at least. You know, you're talking. She's still a teenager. Oh, so she's like 20 years younger. Okay, so look her age up real quick because I know she's not older than 23, 24 years old. And so I think that Serena right now is dealing with the mortality. Oh, factor. she's 23. She's oh, 23. So she's 23. Okay. Yeah. So it's 16, 17 year difference. So it's her time now. It's Osaka's time to be the next Serena. There is no other Serena. Let's just clarify. 
to win 23. I think she's one short of the most ever. Uh, most grand, grand, what do they call it? Grand slams or whatever they call them. Um, I just think that Serena, unlike Drew Brees, is, is, is realizing mortality in a different way where she could still play at a high level, unlike Drew Brees. She just now knows that she's no longer the greatest. She's yeah. no longer the one. And I think that's really tough for her to accept. And I understand when you've been at the top for as long as she has, I would imagine that would take a real shot to your heart, to your ego, because every sports figure that's great has an ego. And so it, it's tough to admit I'm no longer the greatest. And I think that's why she got so emotional is that she's seeing it slip away from her. Could she still contend for titles? Yeah. She's still damn. She was 10th ranked in the world going into that matchup at 39 years old. So it's not like she sucks. It's just that Osaka is just that much better now. Yeah. What I would have loved to see, just a side note, is to see Osaka now and Serena at 23. Oh, that would have been that a fucking was... match, bro. <laughs> that see, it sucks that, that we don't yeah. see, you know, like primes versus primes. primes like to see like an MJ versus LeBron, you know, prime versus yeah, prime. Yeah, you kind of or... like have like this uh, 15 year gap yeah. to where you're trying to compare, you right. know. So it's like, so I think that's more on what Serena is. I think she and Breezer in two different places, but at the same place at the same time. They okay. both are at the end, but one knows that they can still do it at a decent level. It's just tough for them to accept they're no longer the one. Okay. Okay. I, I see what you mean. It, it sucks that Osaka is playing for Japan in the Olympics. So <laughs> right. I know. It kind of sucks. But, I mean, that's that's her, her heritage, so I'm not going to judge her. All right. Next question. Uh, I want to get your thoughts on uh, the uh, Tatis uh, junior contract with the Padres. Well, he's was that fourteen years, three hundred and forty million. He's probably never going to go hungry again. That's for sure. <laughs> um, it's funny. Wait, I posted that. I said, "I'm going to think this is one hundred and sixty million short of Patrick." And you're like, "The think this is three hundred thirty-three million <laughs> short of Messi." <laughs> I mean, Messi doubled. Tatista's contract. <laughs> and that was only in four years. Yeah. Think about that. Four years compared to 14. Oh, <laughs> I just, I don't even want to talk about Messi. He's he's a different, that's a whole different thing, dude. You don't even want to talk about that. But to, to, to come down to the, the peasants of Fernando Tatis, you know, with this, only his $340 million. Uh, Look, man, there's a, believe it or not, there's been a lot of pushback about this. Really? Yeah, I've seen a lot of pushback about this is too early to do this. You know, I was thinking the same thing because yeah. he's only been, let's say, quote unquote, great for what two seasons. He hasn't would even you played say? a full season yet. Yeah, I would say, <laughs> was it two years ago that he yeah. was, he came into the league? He came like, into the season two. Came in the league two years two ago. Years but it wasn't ago. for the full season. Yeah, and then last season they played what sixty games. Sixty games. Yeah. <laughs> so. I can see why people are questioning it and why people are kind of concerned as to them giving him so much money so soon when you don't even know what he really is. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I can see why people are questioning this move. Here's why I don't question it. It's because in baseball, unlike other sports, well, maybe soccer is a little bit like this. You could attest it's better than me. In baseball, you kind of you kind of know early. Like, okay, this guy is going to be great. Bryce Harper at 17 years old, they knew he could have played in the majors. He waited another year. Oh, wow. He was he's on his way to be a Hall of Fame player. Mike Trout at 19 years old was one of the 10 best players in baseball. There's just guys that you just know. And I bet you if you ask the Angels, I bet you if you ask the uh, Nationals now the Phillies for Bryce Harper, if they could go back then 
and sign those guys at that point, would they do it as opposed oh. to waiting until they're in their mid to late 20s? They would say oh, yes. yes. So what the Padres are doing is they're being progressive. They're saying, look, these guys, Mike Trout and Bryce Harper, they got their contracts. Nolan Arenado, Nolan Arenado that went from the uh, Rockies to the, to the Cardinals. Cardinals, yeah. Those guys got their contracts later in their careers. Why would we wait? And Tatis goes out there and puts up in similar numbers, and then we got to give him 150 extra. Why don't we give him market value now while he's 21, 22 years old, and then when he's in his mid-30s, this contract's coming up as opposed to Mike Trout being 41 years old when his contract's coming up, knowing he won't be playing baseball anymore. Yeah, but I, there's, I, there's a lot of positives I can, to this. I can see it, but I feel like uh, it's – it can be too early, but you know I'm happy for him. Be, it's amazing. It's a it's, massive risk. Yeah. But here's the thing: it's a massive risk for no matter for what player it is. Yeah, 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 for everybody. The Phillies giving Bryce Harper that contract was a, was a ginormous risk because of the fact that his numbers of late have not been awesome. Yeah. But Mike Trout and Fernando Tati, those are the guys he's being compared but to. You got to remember that also. I, I can see. I can see how the the Padres are going to make that money back super easily within probably the next two years. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like with jersey sales, his marketing value. So I guess you can say they were being smart and, you know, spent cheap on him, which is not cheap, but spent cheap and keeping him for 14 years. And then you get that money back within two seasons. Well, let's also remember this. Baseball contracts are 100% guaranteed, right? Yeah. But here's the other thing is that you – it's not like it's now guaranteed that he has to stay in San Diego's whole career, even though he's got a 14-year oh, deal. Oh, no, they can trade that contract yeah. away. six, seven years into this thing, if, if there's a team out there, like let's say like the Yankees, they're like, hey, look, you're not winning shit. The Padres are still the Padres. Tatis is out here winning MVPs, but he's not winning shit. Yeah, I mean, How about we trade you eight players and take the rest of his contract off your hands? That's what they did with uh, John Carlos. Exactly Staten. right. With the Marlins. Exactly yep. right. He went back then. That was big money. He got I think 180 or 240 million. I think yeah. back then 180 to 240. For like ten years. Ten years. Yeah, and he got that at like 27 years old. The Yankees are like, look, we'll just trade you a bunch of dudes. We'll just take that money. Don't worry about it. Right. That's a chunk of change for the Yankees. That's baseball though. That's yeah. how baseball does things. It was like, look, we'll just big market team. We'll just take this guy off your hands. That's more than likely what's going to happen with Satis. And I think he's actually going to be a great player. I think he's going to have a long, great career. He's a he's a legacy player. His dad was a baller, so now that he's at this level now, already in his early twenties, yeah. And the and the money that's another thing I love about this also is that now he doesn't have to worry about that. He doesn't worry about you know oh crap. I, I mean I'm bad at I'm, I'm yeah. one for eighteen. This, you know in the last couple of days, you know no, <laughs> just go out there and play your game. You got your money in the bag, bro. Just play free 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 flowing baseball. I think honestly it, it's hard pressed for me to find negatives. For either Tat, well, obviously not for Tatis, but for the San Diego Padres, because this is great PR for them too. Because other free agents are going to look at this and go, "I can go play in Sandy fucking Ago, and and all the beautiful, oh. you know, it's, it's the most beautiful place I've in America. Heard, yeah, I've heard yeah, it's, so it's amazing. Beautiful. I've been there. It's it's unbelievable, right? And they're paying these big time names. I'm a big time name. Fuck it, let's go there. You know what I mean? So this is great PR for the Padres. And yes, you're 100 percent right. They're going to make all. All of that money in nine times over. Oh yeah, with advertisement alone. Um. All right. Uh. Let's go with uh, NBA. I, I don't think I asked this question last week because I don't think uh, it had happened yet, or I don't know. But how serious is Anthony Davis' injury? It's it's serious. Uh, not in a season-ending, career-ending serious, but it is a serious injury. Serious enough 
that last night we got the news that when they reevaluated the injury, he's going to be out now for a full month. Um, so for me, the reason it's serious is because they know that in order for the Lakers to repeat as champions, they're going to need Anthony Davis. He is a pivotal piece to all of this. So it's serious in the fact that, hey, don't risk anything. Take take the next month off. Get that sheath over the Achilles healed up, the inflammation go down. You know, let, let his confidence in his leg and his pivoting and his movements all come back to him mentally and, you know, just physically. And, and But honestly, if you're going to ask me, if you ask me how I think this is going to go down, I think Andy Davis is going to be fine. I think you're going to see him come back around uh, uh, early April. I think you're going to see him around that time because the All-Star break's coming up too. Um, and you're going to see him come back and play at a decent level. The problem though for me, and I, and I don't want to uh, divert from the question, but Anthony Davis has a lot to work on because before he even suffered this injury, he was struggling. He was averaging around 21 points a game, which is six, seven points below his average from last season. Uh, his free throw percentage is down almost 10%. Whew. I mean, he, he's been struggling this season from Anthony Davis standards. So a lot of people thought, oh, he got his ring. You know, that confidence is there now. He's playing with LeBron James. He's going to go out there and ball out this year. He hasn't done that yet. So there's a lot for Anthony Davis to overcome, more than even just this Achilles scare, if you will. But I do believe in the next three to four weeks we're going to see Anthony Davis return. I think he's going to be. A, I think he's going to get his game back, and I think we're going to see the Lakers get back to what they do. And that's it's definitely. But I, it is. I don't want to undersell it though. There, there is a legitimate reason for concern with all this, when especially when it comes to the Achilles, because an Achilles injury is the most unpredictable of all injuries. You don't see it coming. You don't expect it. It can just happen like that. The good thing for the Lakers, and Anthony Davis in particular, is they caught it. And they caught the fact that it's not exactly the Achilles, but actually the sheath over it that's been inflamed. So they caught the pain. They caught the the issue. His pain tolerance isn't as high as a lot of players or what you would hope for. But they got it. And now they're going to rest him. They know they're good because the Lakers have a really good roster on LeBron James. They can survive the next three to four weeks without Anthony Davis. But they do 100% need him to get another championship. Okay. All right, now we're moving back into the NFL. So I'm sure you've been on Twitter all day today. Oh, not Uh, at all. (laughs) (laughs) We've seen the Panthers have been making moves this this offseason. They've been cutting players. They've been building that cap space. And this only makes me, like, think that there there might be something that they want to get this offseason. Or someone, not something, someone. And that would be Deshaun Watson. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts with this whole Panthers opening cap space? Is 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 Deshaun Watson the target? I would be – I'm at the point now where I would be shocked if Deshaun Watson lands anywhere else but the Panthers. And the reason why – and I, you guys know I've been saying for weeks that I think the, the Niners need the to Niners, go full-fledged yeah. after him because it just makes so much sense. But – it doesn't sound to me like the Niners are really going to put together a package comparable, competitive enough, uh, especially in comparison to what the Panthers can and will put together. You saw the package they put together for Matt Stafford. Yeah. And I, as much as I love Matt Stafford, he doesn't pale in comparison to Deshaun Watson, especially just from the age standpoint alone. Um, Deshaun Watson, I do believe, is going to be a Carolina Panther. It would, it would really shock me. I'm being truthful because – the Panthers have, have not shied away from what they want. And and now that we're seeing them 
literally letting go of, of starting oh, defenders. <laughs> There's a Trey Boston. safety. Yeah, Trey Boston. They just let him go. <laughs> They're like, we're not trading you. We're just going to get your fucking money completely off our books. And, and and there's no other reason you do that as a team that's trying to climb unless you have a, a piece that adds or that excels you up the ladder that much faster. Because, yes, right now, Panther fans are like, damn, that was a good player. Trey Boston is a good player. You just scut him. You let him go. If they find out tomorrow that they're signing Deshaun Watson, they're trading for Deshaun Watson, no one remembers Trey Boston. No one's talking Trey Boston ever again. So I at this current time, and things change, we can hear the Jets put together something that we've never heard before, and all of a sudden he's going to the Jets, which could happen. The Jets could very well. They have yeah. a lot of assets to give the Texans. They can give them Sam Darnold and several first-round picks. They really want to do it. I think at the end of the day, though, Deshaun Watson has to sign off on where he goes. Yep. And he wants to go to the NFC. If I'm, if I'm a betting man, Deshaun Watson wants to get out of the AFC because he knows that Patrick Mahomes is going nowhere. He sees Josh Allen and Justin Herbert and these other young stars at quarterback. Yeah. In the AFC, the NFCs they have really good quarterbacks, but all of them are old. If yep. you really look at across the NFC right now, Tom Brady and Rodgers, yep. uh, Matt Ryan, uh, Matt Stafford, Matt Stafford, he's thirty. He'll be thirty-three next season. And then you got to worry about Jimmy G. Russell Wilson will be th- he'll be thirty-three next season. I think Russell Wilson is, but the problem with the Seahawks is they have they have stability issues. Yeah. So if you look at Deshaun Watson, you're like, bro, I can go. Drew Brees is retiring. Matt Ryan's old as shit. Tom Brady is a is a corpse that eats avocados. I can go to the NFC South and dominate for another decade. Think about it. It's 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 the perfect move for him. Now, again, I think the 49ers would be the ultimate place for Deshaun Watson to succeed. But the Panthers, with Matt Rule and all that, all that, uh, all those young, talented players on the defensive side, the cap space they'll have. I mean, it only makes sense for them to go after him. I mean, I think I really do believe he's going to be a Carolina Panther. So that's that's where I'm at right now. All right, last question for you. And this this question came uh, from a discussion with a buddy of mine. Uh, we were talking about, you know, Tony G and, and uh, his numbers and cuz you posted that on on the on the on the on the Facebook page and uh, we were talking about it and we we're talking about the quarterbacks that Travis Kelsey had and we we're talking about the quarterbacks that uh, Tony G had. And the question came came about is Matt Ryan a Hall of Fame quarterback? There is no question he is. Reason being, um, real quick, Eddie, if you could, name me the three quarterbacks in the history of the NFL that have thrown for at least 50,000 passing yards, at least 300 touchdowns, have won an MVP, and have played at least one Super Bowl. Name me the three quarterbacks that have ever done that. Was it Tom Brady, uh, Drew Brees? Nope. No? Tom Brady. You got one. Okay, Tom Brady. Peyton Manning. Oh, Peyton Manning, and then... Jesus. And then Matt, Matt Ryan. Ryan. Look, I know how most fans look at players and judge players and, and categorize players. How many rings did you win? <coughs> I get that. I understand. I don't agree with it, but I get why fans do it. Because winning is everything. But people oftentimes forget that winning is done by teams. And Matt Ryan... A lot of his career has not had teams that can win on a consistent basis. This is why I defend guys like Matt Stafford so much. He played for the Lions. They won nothing ever. And so for Matt Ryan, he got to a Super Bowl, put up 28 points, and lost. 
I can't put that on on, on Matt Ryan. Did he did he play his best game? No. But he went against the greatest dynasty ever. If that's going to be the knock on his career, that's a pretty damn good knock. Dude's an MVP. Like I said, he's going to finish top five in every statistical category a quarterback has ever had. I, I don't really know how we sit here and, and say he's not a Hall of Famer when guys like Joe fucking Namath made the Hall of Fame when they had he had 70 more interceptions than touchdowns in his career. But because he guaranteed a victory against the Colts, would they put up, I think, 13 points against the Colts in that game and won, and he did the little finger wave? He's a Hall of Famer all of a sudden. He wore, he wore you know, fur jackets on the sidelines. He's a Hall of Famer, but Matt Ryan's not? Terry Bradshaw happened to just be dragged by the steel curtain for four Super Bowls. He's a Hall of Famer because he's got moxie? Matt Ryan is one of the greatest quarterbacks we've ever seen play football. Some people just don't like to accept that because he hadn't done the winning. I mean, to me, it, it makes no difference if Matt Ryan won two Super Bowls or zero Super Bowls. Just like I don't I don't judge Dan Marino for having zero Super Bowls. Just like I don't credit Eli Manning for having two. Are we really going to sit here and say Eli Manning's a better quarterback than those guys when those guys put up profoundly better numbers more consistently than Eli Manning? Eli Manning never even made it to a single Pro Bowl. He was never an All-Pro. I mean, he made Pro Bowls, I'm sorry. He was never an All-Pro. How do you never make an All-Pro and you win two rings? Does that make you a greater player than Dan Marino? No way, man. So... If the, if the argument is, is Matt Ryan a Hall of Famer, I'm going to stand by and say yes. I would love to hear a rebuttal as to why he isn't. Because if it's winning, I got a list of examples of guys that have not won shit in this league but are Hall of Famers. And then I have a list of guys that won stuff but sucked. So you can't tell me, oh, Matt Ryan can't be a Hall of Famer when these guys that I just listed that were not good at football made the Hall of Fame just because they had some success as a team. That's it for me, dude. Good Eddie Hour. See, he almost got me triggered, man. He almost got me triggered. But no, I mean, I would love to talk a little bit about that Travis Kelsey thing. Maybe we can talk about that a little bit in a segment uh, later on in the show. We're going to get to the Monday mailbag, guys. Hope you all ready for it. We'll get back to that after this. We are building it bigger. We are widening the corridors and adding more lanes. We are building a religion, a limited edition. We are now accepting callers for the Midcoast Modern is a Kansas City focus on modern handmade and small brands. A resource for design-centric home goods, apparel, jewelry, artwork, and limited edition gifts. We support makers, artists from the Midcoast, and bring in goods from makers, artists around the U.S. to offer a unique selection. Mail time. Mail time. Mail time. Mail time. The mail's here. It is time for the Monday Mailbag. What we do each and every week is we give you, the listening audience, the viewing audience, an opportunity to essentially take over this show for the entire segment. Whatever you guys are talking about, whatever you guys are wanting to talk about, debating about, discussing amongst yourselves at the water cooler or wherever you're talking with your friends, your buddies, your partners, your pals, you bring it here to the Monday Mailbag each and every week, and we like to bring it out here and discuss it openly for you guys and uh, give you our thoughts, our opinions on those said matters. So, Eddie, before we get to that Monday mailbag that's on Facebook each and every week, we had something very unprecedented take place this week. We actually had, and I've, I've been looking forward to this to finally happen, and it finally happened. We got ourselves our first official anchor me- voice message from a listener. Take a listen. Hello, my name is Stanley Simmons. I live in Fresno, California. Been a California resident for 30 years. I've been following your show since 2020. Uh, Born and raised in Kansas City, Missouri. Kansas City will always be in my heart. 
huge Chiefs fan. Well, talk about episode 103 real quick. Uh, Lance, you mentioned about the Marcellus Wally deal there. You didn't really want to touch bases on that, but I think you should because what I see from Marcellus Wally is jealousy. Uh, this all started way back in 2018 when uh, they had a conversation about who's more marketable, Lamar Jackson or Mahomes. And I just think Marcellus has it in his heart that he's jealous that Mahomes get more accolade than Lamar Jackson. I'm not sure if it's a color thing or a cultural thing, but I, I think there is some jealousy there. I think you should hit on that whenever you can. Keep up the work. Great show. Take care. Love you from California. Ah, I love I love that. I love that so much. That's it's our first one. You know, our guy Stanley Simmons out in Fresno, Cali, uh, giving us our first voice message for our show ever from a fan, from a from a, a listener, getting us some feedback, which is what we love the most on this show. Uh, so shout out to our guy Stanley Simmons out there in Fresno, but he's one of us out here from KC. He said Casey's always going to be in his heart. Stanley, you're in our hearts too, brother. We really appreciate whatever you're doing out there for the last three decades. We appreciate you listening to our show and being a part of this because you're now officially a part of the show, my man. You're now yeah. officially <laughs> friend of the show, Stanley Simmons from Fresno, California. We really appreciate that, man. That was yeah. uh, it was unexpected, which we even love even more because uh, we have we have so many great yeah. listeners and people that participate, but it's never been on the voice side. Mm-hmm. So for those that are listening right now, I'm like, damn, how do I do that? Just get on our uh, get on the Anchor app. Uh, whenever we post our shows each and every week and send us a message, man, send us a voice message. We would love that. And Stanley is the pioneer of that forever. Now we'll always remember Stanley Simmons from Fresno, Cali, <laughs> but uh, to answer his question, because the man did, did uh, talk about it. I mean, it's funny, very, very seldom do I get reeled back in, you know, where I don't really give you guys my full fledged take on something. And I really did take an easy on Marcellus Wiley because it is for a multitude of reasons, because I didn't honestly want to give him too much, attention because that's what Marcellus has been getting like crazy lately is just a ton of attention for just being an absolute clown on his show. Speak for yourself with Emmanuel Acho on FS1. And you know, I've had a lot of problems with Marcellus's takes over the last couple of years. And, and, and in particular, it has been the, the unnecessary vitriol he's had towards Patrick Mahomes. And I, and I get that a lot of these guys are doing it because they know it gets clicks. If you go against the greatest, you know, you, you, you fight against LeBron James, people are going to click on that. You know, that's why Skip Bayless is still in business. Uh, and then he, and what do you know, Skip's also going against Patrick Mahomes because it gets him clicks. It's genius, but it's also very agitating because it's also dishonest and it's disingenuous. And, and, and Marcellus is going that route. And something that Stanley said that I wasn't going to touch on for, you know, some serious reasons, but since he brought it up, I'm going to have to address it. And it's about the cultural, racial type of thing that we're, you know, that I do believe is a part of this. Now, I say that and people are thinking, well, Patrick's also mixed. He's a he's half black, half white. So how could it be a race thing? I'm going to be totally real with you guys for a second because I've heard this from a lot of friends of mine that happen to be black African Americans. And they've said this to me many times and I have to I'm going to I'm just going to repeat what I've been told when it comes to Patrick Mahomes and how some of these other guys have, have been talking about him. Uh, and negating him in regards to the likes of Lamar Jackson. If we know anything about Patrick Mahomes' past, he was technically a very privileged kid. He grew up in a home where his father was a a pro baseball player, which means he had money, which means he never really went without. He has a white mother, and we know how there is a a real injustice in our society towards black people as opposed to white people. And when Patrick Mahomes 
looks the way he looks and has a has a white mother, you have to think that there are some advantages and privileges that he may have gotten that other black kids maybe didn't get when he was growing up. He grew up in Texas. He has a white fiance. You know, a lot of people look at these things and think, oh, he's not really black. I'm just being totally real. And this is stuff, again, that has been echoed to me. And I think there is a cultural thing that is 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 being pressed back against Patrick Mahomes as to whether he's quote-unquote really black or not. And I think that's really, really unfair to him. But nevertheless, I think that when you see Lamar Jackson, you know, a guy that, um, that people, not me, but other people would say, oh, that's, a, that's an authentic black man in, in American society. They cling to a guy like that more. And it's unfortunate. I think there is a jealousy factor because I think that they look at Patrick Mahomes, they think he got privileges that other people didn't, whether that's true or not. That's not something that was in Patrick Mahomes' control. And so for you now to almost hold that against him because he was born with a with a, with a, a father who made good money as a, as a pro pitcher and, and for him to have some advantages, you know, growing up in the – we've heard the stories of Patrick Mahomes, you know, hanging out with Alex Rodriguez – you know, taking BP and, you know, fielding the balls at, at Met Stadium, you know, like cool stories. Like this is stuff that should be celebrated. Instead, I think it's a lot of times in, in the background, it's used against him and in, in some in some cultural discussion and, and some of those things. And I don't want to get too much into it because I'm a white dude. And this isn't something that I feel is really in my, in my uh, lane. It's not really something I consider and break down from experience because I don't have those experiences. All I can tell you guys is what I know from the people I've discussed, talked to or have talked to me rather and told me their viewpoints from being a black American and what they have felt and what they've seen others discuss at the barbershops and places like that. So to answer Stan, I, I think honestly, I think Stan, I think you're 100% correct, my man. I think that you nailed it on that. And honestly, that's how I was feeling too. And because of the fact that you requested that, I have to agree with you. I have to say that I think there is something there. I don't know Marcellus personally. Honestly, I have really no interest in knowing Marcellus personally. I think that he's an opportunist. I think he's he, – and today he's out there uh, picking on a guy. He's a uh, the quarterback guru kid that uh, that was – that uh, God, I forget his uh, – he's, he's been championing for Deshaun Watson. I think it's, it's Cedric Avery, if I'm not mistaken. I forget his name. Um, let me look that up real quick because of the fact that I – it really upset me when I saw today Marcellus talking about it. Let's see here. So yeah, Marcellus said, "Guess who's guess who's taking a break from pillow talking for Deshaun Watson now, Bruh, Stop chasing chasing clout and stop lying to the people. You ain't no damn quarterback guru. Or you a washed up wide receiver? Answer your f- own fake ass questions and quit fronting for them likes. Called him a fraud. It's Quincy Avery. I'm so sorry. Quincy Avery is a uh, he's a quarterback uh, teacher. And he, <laughs> what's so funny about this?" is Marcellus is calling him a fraud on Twitter because some guy mentioned to Quincy that Marcellus was talking about him openly on Speak for Yourself. So Quincy said, I'll smack the heat or the fire emoji out of Marcellus in real life. So there's that. And that started this whole thing. But what's funny about the the, the whole, you know, Quincy Avery and being called a fraud by Marcellus is the fact that just last week, guess what show Quincy Avery was a guest on? The Herd. With Colin Cowherd, which, by the way, in case anybody missed it, that's the number one rated sports radio show in America. And it's on the same network that Marcellus Wiley's show, Speak for Yourself, is aired on. (laughs) 
So, so think about that for a second. Like, you're talking about a guy being called a fraud from Marcellus Wiley, who was a guest on the biggest show in America that's on the same network that Marcellus Wiley works for. So, Marcel, even his criticisms are are weird. It makes no sense calling a dude a fraud who is making it on shows that are more popular than Mar- Marcellus Wiley's ever dreamed of. And furthermore, Marcellus Wiley is a player. I, I can sit here and ba- bash him as a, as a player and say he wasn't great because he really wasn't. He played for the Chargers. Take that in consideration as well. There is that undying hate, you know, for a Chiefs player, even though, you know, we sit here and talk about Shannon Sharp being the biggest Mahomes fan ever, and he was a Bronco. You know, we're Marcellus, there there is that factor as well. I don't know what truly goes behind goes on in Marcellus's head as to why he feels the way he feels. I'm only telling you guys what I have been told by black Americans that I trust their their opinion their opinion and their viewpoint on matters like this. And Stanley, I really do appreciate it, man. I really, really do. I think this is awesome that you gave me an opportunity to answer that or to expand upon it, rather. I hope I gave you as much as I possibly could, and I hope that gave you what you were looking for. And if you have any more, man, make this a weekly thing for all I care. You know, give us a voice message every single week, man. I would absolutely love that. But in the meantime, thank you, man, for for sending us that voice message. I really do appreciate it. And for all those out there that are listening right now, send us your own voice message. Shit, we could turn the Monday mailbag into that. That'd be great. So. Message, Monday messages. Right? Yeah, you go. yeah, exactly. The Monday, yeah, the Monday messenger. So <laughs> let's get to everyone else's questions real quick. Anyway, all right, man. The, the, the first question comes from Chris, Chris Pete. Uh, he says, way too early predictions. I love it. Over under 13 wins for KC next year. You know my rule. You know my rule. <laughs> yeah. All I will say is, yeah, I, I think it's going to be very much in that realm. I think that the Chiefs are not going to be a bad team anytime soon. Double-digit victories is what I'm absolutely anticipating. The The total, I, I won't go into yet. I will say, though, that we've now seen the schedule, and if the team stay similar to what they were in 2020, Chiefs got a pretty nice schedule next season. I'm not talking about a difficult one. I'm talking about a pretty nice light schedule. So I'll leave it there, but <laughs> you're right. It's way too early, but I do like where where your mind's at on that. All right, Brian Herbert. Next question: With the thirty fifth, with the thirty third, the, the with the thirty first pick in the NFL draft, the Kansas City Chiefs select what position? Man, I, I you guys are really trying to get us to like skip some chapters <laughs> here. We got some, we got some episodes to go before we really break. We got to talk to Kent on that one. But yeah, yeah, we will be having Kent on uh, to talk about these things. But um. If I'm a betting man, I do think it's going to be offensive line. Um, now, that is hinging upon what they do in free agency. If the Chiefs do, do go get a you know land a Brandon Scherf or they land a, a Cam Robinson, my opinion might change a little bit. I, I, might, I might say, okay, let me put it like this. If they don't get a Brandon Scherf or a Cam Robinson, I do think they go offensive line. In particularly a tackle, because I do think the Chiefs are going to move on from both tackles that they currently have in Mitchell Schwartz and Eric Fisher. I think they have no choice at this point, because uh, both are done, in, in my opinion. Eric Fisher will not be playing next season. Mitchell Schwartz is back a shot. So, I do think it would be offensive tackle if they don't get one of these big-time free agents. But if they do get one of the big-time free agents, I do think the Chiefs will go edge rush. And if they, I'm going even further... <laughs> Let's say they get Von Miller or J.J. Watt. I don't think they go edge rush. I then think they go linebacker. Now, I know they just got Willie Gay, and I do think Willie Gay is going to be very special, but there's some 
questions as to whether they're going to bring Anthony Hitchens back. Mm. So there's a lot of avenues the Chiefs can go down, you know, with just this first pick. So I will stick with it. I, st- I still think right now as it stands, it will be an offensive lineman. But like I said, some of these trickle-down effects, this is why I don't try to get ahead of it because we still have free agency to go before the draft even begins. Hey, for me, if I was to answer this question, I do think that the Chiefs will not select in the first round. That's just mm. me. Mm. That's just me. You think they'll trade back? Uh, they're not going to trade back. They might trade that for uh, – for somebody. Oh, okay. They might. I actually don't. I don't hate that. I think that if they did that and they got themselves a, a mid twenties offensive tackle like an Orlando Black yeah. Brown. Unfortunately, like I said though, I think I think we talked about this last week. If they were to trade for trade to, with the Ravens for Orlando Brown, the Ravens would be asking for a shit ton in return because they know we're giving a top tier left tackle to the Chiefs, the team yeah. we have to beat. Why would we do that unless they're going to give us? two first round picks you know what i mean like they would really be asking for a lot that's the reason why i don't think that trade would happen but i I like the idea of them trading out of that pick to get somebody that they know what he is now yeah i don't know if they're gonna trade for somebody let's go with i don't know if they're gonna trade for somebody or they're gonna trade back we'll go with let's just go i just i just know that the cheese will not select in the in the in the first round of the nfl and if they do and if they do select one one position i know they won't be taking is running back We won't be seeing a, hey, I, a, a text from Pat saying Clyde. We won't be seeing that this year. We won't be seeing that. I wouldn't be mad if we go for a receiver either. Uh, uh, yeah, I wouldn't be mad. <laughs> Fuck, Fuck, why not, you know? All right, next question. Uh, Brandon Herbert, starting next year, who has a better five-year run, Luka, Luka Doncic, or LaMelo Ball? Oh, I'm going to stick with Lucas strongly on this one. Not that, not, and that's not a knock on Lamelo. I think Lamelo's going to have a really good career. Uh, I was, I was not on the side of thinking he was going to be a superstar. That was more on Trevor. Trevor was the one that was bigger on Lamelo than I was oh, initially. Yeah, yeah Trevor. Trevor was the one that was really saying superstar. that. Yeah, I, I don't know. I still don't know if Lamelo's going to be a superstar in this league. I do think he's going to be a really good player, though. I don't, I don't think that's a hot take. Um, but Luca is transcendently good. Like he's already a superstar. I think Luca will win an MVP. I don't know if he this win year. I, I'm just saying yeah. he will win an MVP. Right. Um, I, I don't think. Yeah, I, I think it's and this is kind of like an unfair question just for Lamelo because the kid's 19, 20 years old. Luca's 21, going on 22, and he's got three years of NBA experience. Like Lamelo's got like 23 games of experience. So. <laughs> Yeah, I'm. I'm man. I'm sticking strongly with Luca on this one. But hey, man, if Lamelo, I think Luca's adds dimensions to his game. Better talent. Yeah, yeah. There's no questions about it. Like if you were to build a, uh, uh, let's say you build your franchise around who, who you're gonna build it. Around. Well, the only person who would, I'd say, pick Lamelo over Doncic would be Lavar. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, like, maybe Trevor. And even too. he would be like, "Hey, Luca, can I get you on Big Baller Brand? And if I can do that, then I'm taking you." Maybe Trevor. Who knows? Shit. You know? Yeah, you ain't lying. Trevor's yeah. also a big Luca guy, so his head might explode. Ooh, he wouldn't know how to answer this <laughs> question. Trevor, like, plead the fifth. <laughs> All right, next question, Brian Herbert. Achille, uh, we did kind of touch a, a little bit on this one, but he has a a, 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 a kind of different question. Uh, so, Achilles injuries sometimes pop right after a strain in that area. Should the Lakers rest AD until the playoffs? No, I don't think until the playoffs because you're talking about three months, three, four months. I don't think that it's going to be that type of injury. I think that you're going to see Anthony Davis come back in late March, early April. And at that point, you're going to see a a well-rested and healthy Anthony Davis. This isn't 
we have to remember, guys, this is not an Achilles tear. This isn't even a real Achilles injury. It's the sheath. Oh, you guys can I, I challenge you. Go and Google this. Look this up. The injury he has is the sheath over the Achilles is inflamed, which is causing a lot of pain. In most Achilles tears and the ones you've heard about, it's not pain that you feel first. It's it's not anything, really. It's 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 very normal feeling. It's just tight, and then all of a sudden it just snaps. You ask Kevin Durant. He had, uh, I believe, an Achilles strain or an Achilles, yeah, Achilles strain before he ultimately tore his. Same with Richard Sherman several years ago. And you remember them talking about how it wasn't very painful. It was just very, it felt tight. It just felt like there was some pressure to it. And then all of a sudden it just went. That's the difference is that Anthony Davis is feeling excruciating pain because it's inflamed. It's the, the sheath over. I hope, I hope I'm not a doctor here. I'm not Mr. Dr. Oz, but I'm just explaining to you guys Dr. the way I've Quidwell. seen it. Yeah, I'm Dr. Twiddle, MD, motherfucker. No, it's, <laughs> it, I, I'm just, I've just researched this over the last few days, and I'm, I'm like, oh, okay, I see what the injury was because initially I'm thinking, oh, fuck. This is just the, the primary steps of him ultimately tearing it. No, it, it, in fact, it's not going to be that at all. It's just getting the pain down is the real problem here. It isn't whether he's going to tear it or not. That's not the, the scare. It's just getting it to feel better. All right, next question comes from Billy Hodge. Uh, <laughs> I can't wait. Oh, God. I already know. Let me guess. He's talking shit on you. <laughs> this is, hello, Lance and Trevor and the other guy. <laughs> what did I do to this guy? <laughs> you need to DM Billy and be like, bro, how do we patch this up? What do I got to do? Fuck, bro, did I kiss him on the wrong side or what? <laughs> You didn't make him breakfast the other day? Like, what the fuck, man? Fuck, were his eggs overcooked or what? <laughs> God damn. <laughs> what surprise move will Veach will uh what surprise move will Veach will make this offseason? I... Oh, surprising. See, I give Veach such a benefit of the doubt that whatever move he makes at this point, I'm not gonna sit here and go, oh my god, I'm shocked. I think okay. I'll say it like this. I think the only way Veach would legitimately shock me is if it goes down the route you're picking, where he legitimately trades, not trades back with the 31st overall pick, but trades it away. I think that would shock me because of the fact that I I don't know if that's the best route to go. But if they were to if they were to land, let's say or let's let me entertain your theory. And Orlando Brown, if they were to land him, oh God, sign me up. I would be shocked as hell because I don't think it's enough. I think they'd have to package it with other things. And I don't know if the Chiefs are willing to take that risk. But, yeah, that would be the way it would shock me. If they, if they go and sign a J.J. Watt or a Von Miller, that's not going to shock me. We just broke it down for half an hour in the first ep- first segment about how these are the things we should start expecting. So it's not going to be a free agent signings. It's not going to be a position they take in the draft that's going to shock me. It's going to be more of, Oh my God, Brett Veach just literally traded the 31st overall pick for a veteran tackle or a linebacker or something like that. That would, that would throw me off. Yeah, that would really throw me <laughs> off. So that, I guess that would be the the definitive answer for my end. All right. <clears throat> Last question comes from Brian Herbert. Damn, he one, two, three, four. He today. went ham on this one. Uh, like it. Is Eddie the Baltimore, Buffalo, Cleveland, Tampa Bay fan fired yet? <laughs> God damn. <laughs> hey, 
Hey, by the way, I didn't pick Baltimore. I didn't pick Tampa Bay. <laughs> I just love how in the playoffs. Are, like they're not only keeping your receipts, they're making them up for you now, Eddie. Like you're infamous, bro. Well, I, I know for a fact I didn't pick Cleveland and I did not pick Tampa Bay. <laughs> just adding them on though, dude. Like, well, fuck it. He picked the Bills. He picked everybody. <laughs> I think I picked the Ravens in the regular season. <laughs> yeah, well, every, everybody except me did. Trevor picked the Ravens in that yeah. game. I was the only one that didn't pick the Ravens. So um so what was the question? Is he fired? Well, I can't fire him tonight because Trevor's gone. Maybe next week. <laughs> maybe, maybe we'll see. And he's on a year to year deal, an episode to episode deal. I ain't bringing my computer. Come on, next Brian. Time. I mean, here's the thing: if I fire Eddie, there's no Eddie hour, and I don't get I don't get him to recite these questions. Therefore, Billy's not going to be in the Monday mailbag anymore. Brian, Brian's probably not. Donnie Couch, I don't know where he, the hell he went, but he probably won't come back if Eddie's gone. So I got I have no choice here, Brian. I have to keep Eddie around, man. By he's, the way, Donnie, we miss you. Yeah, where the hell is Donnie? I don't know. Hope he's doing okay, though. Yeah, seriously, man. All right. Well, that's, that's it. That's it for the money mailbag. Yeah, great, yeah. great, great uh, money mailbag. I have some unfortunate news for you guys. We've been uh, waiting for uh, our guy, defensive end, the former defensive end for the Chiefs, uh, Bon Booker, to uh, show uh, to get to get on the Zoom uh, call, but. He had some uh, un- unexpected uh, family matters to attend to, so he's actually going to have to reschedule with us. I know, I know, you're probably throwing your phone right now. Uh, was not expecting it, but I totally get it, guys. We live in a very uh, nuanced world, if you will, where things are just changing constantly. So just got the text from just a minute ago saying that he was not going to be able to participate tonight. He feels bad. He wanted, you know, he obviously wants to be a part of this. I mean, who the hell wouldn't? You know, spoke podcast. Yeah, exactly. You know, but, but no, he's going he's gonna to join us again very soon. So I'll be looking forward to that. Um, I was trying to debate with Eddie if we should go any further into the discussion with the Chiefs, uh, anything that we wanted to talk about. Um, kind of add to the Monday mailbag, if we will. I think we only have a few minutes left in the segment. But just to kind of reiterate to some of the things that I, had t- I touched on in the first segment, I-, I think that the important part in all of this is that we remember that the Chiefs really do have an opportunity here to land some big names. Yeah. Um, and I'm not talking about guys that are going to be the expensive ones. I'm talking about names of guys that really want to just win. Uh, Von Miller already has a Super Bowl. He won in 2015 with the Bear with the Broncos. He, he might just be chasing money at this point. Well, he could be chasing money, or he could be chasing the opportunity to get another Super Bowl. Because in all in all reality, Von Miller has been irrelevant for the last three or four years because he hasn't played a full season in two years, and he hasn't won anything in over five. So it's it's getting to that place now where Von could really be like the opposite, the flip side of what Neil Smith was for the Chiefs back in the 90s, where he went from the Chiefs to the Broncos. Which, by the way, ironically, they both have the exact same amount of sacks in their career. But he could be the Neil Smith from the Broncos to the Chiefs mm. and finish his career as a Chief. I think that would be really interesting to see. I'm all for it. I think it would be great. I, I think heard- I think if a guy was to, let's say, between J.J. Watt and uh, Von Miller, I think J.J. Yeah, <clears throat> Watt would be the one chasing the ring. I, I think he's the one that wants, he wants that ring. I think Von Miller, knowing he has a Super Bowl, I think he can go to a contender team. Not necessarily a Super Bowl contender team, but a playoff contender team, maybe you know, uh, divisional like the round. Chiefs. <laughs> I'm saying like those. His favorite players. player ever was Derek Thomas. That's oh, why he wears yeah. number 58. He's the biggest fan of Patrick Mahomes. Talks about him constantly. I mean, he practically fangirls him. He fits this team perfectly. Yeah, I, I think JJ Watt would be cheaper. Uh, uh, really, I, I do think he'll be cheaper just for the simple fact that I think he is more more uh, into uh, chasing that ring. I, I don't think he's. He's all about the money, all about the Benjamins. Uh, I think he's uh, he wants that ring, and I think he knows that Kansas City 
it's a real good option where he can make that happen. It's interesting you say that, though, because I feel like the only reason why the Chiefs wouldn't ultimately get J.J. Watt is because of his money. I actually think that wherever J.J. lands, he's going to get paid pretty well. Um, because the problem, though, is that I think he does want to play for Pittsburgh. I think he would love to play with his well, brothers. Brother, yeah. Their cap structure is terrible yeah, right now. I, I, I just I don't see him getting a lot of money. For the simple fact that where do, you, where do you see his like where do you see him landing for a contract? If I was to let let's say if I was to to to, to tell the Chiefs hey you know sign sign him you know and JJ White's willing to sign for this amount of money you know I would sign him for what ten to fourteen for one year. Give me JJ Watt for ten to fourteen. If you can get JJ Watt from ten to fourteen million for a year, I would say you'd be an idiot not to take that. I think though that ultimately you're going to see a one to two year deal. With a player option in the second year, worth twenty five to thirty million dollars. See the, I think the, that's the reason the reason I question it is because in recent years we've seen JJ Watt become uh, he was sl- awesome last season, slightly injury prone though. That he those did not injuries, miss a game last season. I, I get it, yeah. but you also got to put into consideration his age and the injuries he's had to overcome. I mean, he'll be thirty two, but you got to remember on the flip side, Von Miller and him are the exact same age, and Von Miller's the one coming off an ACL injury. So, J.J. Watt's the healthier player, played really good last season. For me, if I had to choose between the two, I would take J.J. Watt in a heartbeat, even if it cost me five, six million more. Because I think it actually would be more expensive to get J.J. because I think there's going to have to be an additional year. Von Miller is going to be a one-year deal kind of guy. Because I don't really know what Von Miller's got left. I do know what J.J. Watt's got. J.J. Watt's still got some left. I think he can play a couple more years. Mm. Von, I think if he gets a ring or he gets you know a deep playoff push... After the next season, I can see him walking away because mm. I don't I don't know how much left mm. he's really got. Because like I said, he's been injured. He's, he's torn his ACL twice in his career. Mm-hmm. So I I I would be far I would be comfortable with either one. My God, would they both help this defense dramatically? But I think JJ, you're going to see him get a multi year deal, and it's going to be within twenty five to thirty million dollars. Now I'm not saying that's all guaranteed. There's going to be incentives involved for sure. That team's going to need some assurances from him. Oh, yeah. But at the same time, he knows what he's worth. He knows Mm -hmm. that whatever team's going to get him, they're going to have to show him because he's going to benefit them a lot too. Because like I said, we talk about the marketing standpoint. J.J. Watt's going to bring people to this stadium if they they allow, you know, packed houses. Oh, yeah, jersey sales. wherever he goes. Wherever he goes. Whatever team of the 32 teams he can go, 31 because he ain't going back to Houston. Whatever of the 31 teams he would choose – there's going to be five to 60,000 more people showing up to games just because of him because that's how good he is and that's how polarizing yeah, he's a player superstar. He yes. Like you say, he's a first ballot Hall of Fame. Right. No doubt. He, I mean, if you really think about it, the only guy that's ever had a better three year stretch than him in a sacks tackle for loss standpoint is Lawrence Taylor. <laughs> and Lawrence Taylor's the greatest, yeah. probably the greatest defender of all time. So JJ Watt is without question a top five defensive five to ten defensive player to ever live, and uh, yeah, whatever team gets him at age 31, 32 years old is going to benefit significantly. And I would love to see the Chiefs do it. I would love to see the Chiefs do it, but I'll settle for Von Miller. Stay tuned on that, by the way. <laughs> and we got one more order of business, man, because I think I think that's I think that's uh, the majority of our show. So uh, guys, what do we got left to do? Hold this KC Hemp Company, your most trusted CBD provider in Kansas City, shipping nationwide. 
Agent Plant for a New Age Health. Follow them on Facebook and Instagram at Casey Hempco. It's time to hold this L. I want you to do me a favor and hold this L. Somebody's got to hold that L. <laughs> the him, the her. I'm talking like caps lock L L L L L L L L Cool J stuff. Hold that L. <laughs> Good God, man. Hold this gigantic, <gasps> veiny, oh pulsating L. Man. You are one pathetic loser. You ignorant bastard. <laughs> oh, that was great. Oh, hold Sorry. this L. Yes. It is time to hold this L. What we do each and every week is we look to finish up the show, round it all off by handing out some friendly, not so friendly L's in the world of sports. Regardless of they're friendly or unfriendly, we promise you whoever is receiving them, whatever player, whatever team, whatever sport league, whoever got it, we promise you they deserved it. Eddie Ortiz, Mr. Yo-Yo-Yo, who is holding the L this week and why is it F1? Oh, it is not F1. Uh, still not uh, you know, uh, the beginning of the season, which uh, I think uh, the trailer just dropped today for uh, for the F1 show, which is amazing. You guys should watch it. <laughs> It's on Netflix. Uh, I believe the, the yeah. New, remind me to forget that. Uh, I believe season three should be coming out here pretty soon within the next month. So tune in for that. It's a great show. Um, my L is gonna go to uh, none other than WWE. Oh, oh fuck! Nice twist. Yeah. Why is it gonna go to the WWE? <sighs> this past Monday night. On Monday Night Raw, we saw the 24-7 championship uh, switch hands. Obviously, the 24-7 championship, anybody can be champion. You can be pinned anywhere at any time, even at your house or when you're taking a bath, you can get pinned. So anxiety. Yeah, so that's what that belt is, 24-7. But this Monday, (laughs) this belt is just comedy. That's all it is. It's a pointless belt. I don't know why they came out with it. They used to have it back in the day. For some reason, they decided to bring it back. I don't like it. It's a dumb idea. Is that a ratings grab, maybe? Yeah, the ratings are plummeting. Fox is making them do certain things to, to get the ratings back up. It's just not happening. So this belt on Monday Night Raw, switch hands, like I said... To none other than Bad Bunny. Wait, I'm sorry. D- did you just say Bad Bunny as in the the singer? Yeah, the was he was he singing? Uh, um, he sings that song with Booker T. Yeah, yeah. Bad Bunny, the, the on Snoop Dogg, the yeah, Snoop Dogg Corona commercial. Yeah, Bob not playa, not playa, a playa. That Bob, guy. Yeah, Bad Bunny. Oh Jesus Christ! So he just won the belt on Monday Night Raw. Like I said, this belt is pointless. I don't like it. I'm a WWE fan since I was a kid. They have some great. They've had some great storylines. They every now and then they still do. Uh, but giving, uh, I don't, yeah. He really won a a yeah. belt. He has a W a WWE belt. Yeah. So. Oh. 
Dude. WWE for trying just to get I don't know if this is like trying to get the Hispanic viewers. I don't. You're know. joking, right? I'm not. So I don't know if this is like a oh, trying to get Hispanic fuck. viewers. I don't know what you're trying to do here. I'm not a fan of it. I don't like it. Uh, you've done it in the past where you've made celebrities champions, and I've always been against oh, it. Man, there's other talent that's been in your system for years and are still not champions and are far, far more worth, worth it than a singer that, you know, that's never wrestled in his life. So it's a disrespect to your talent. That's how I see it. So for me, WWE, you're just going to have to hold this this L. L. You know, I really can't wait for his, uh, TLC match with uh, Doja Cat and uh, Takashi Six Nine. That's gonna be a blast. That's gonna be uh, fucking lit. Funny you say that. He's actually been seen at their performance center in uh, Florida training for a, uh, I guess, an upcoming pay per view match. Oh. And it, it's a joke, dude. I don't want to sound like Mr. Old Guy here, but do you remember when we were kids? How yeah. great wrestling was. Yeah, you had The Rock. You had Hulk Stone Hogan, Cold, Triple Stone H, Cold, Chris yeah. Jericho, Kurt Angle, Christian, the Hardy Boys, the Hardy Dudleys. Boys. Yeah, the Gangrel even, bro. He was badass. I mean, the list went Undertaker, the one of the greatest Kane. ever, Ric Flair. Remember when they had the WCW versus WWE and WWF back then? Yeah. You had the WWE, WCW on this, was the fucking, that, uh, Nitro? The, WCW yeah, Monday Nitro. Raw's War. Raw's War. Dude, to see that... And now this, you got bad fucking bunny running home. I don't even know. Dude, I don't know what to say. We did not talk about this. No. Before the show or during the show. <laughs> when you said that, I thought you were joking. No. He... I still think you're joking. No, he won the title. Oh, um, Jesus. He's a champion. Uh. I, I can't I can't outdo your L. I, I really can't. <laughs> because bad bunny doesn't play a part in any of this that I'm about to say. But I, I just think it's disrespectful to the talent. Honestly, though, Bad Bunny might be more qualified than the guys that I'm going to give my L to, which oh. is the Philadelphia Eagles. Ooh. Because of the and, and, you know, honestly, on our show, we try not to talk about the low-hanging fruit as much, uh, the national stuff. I mean, everybody talks Cowboys, Eagles. We don't even talk a lot of LeBron James on here, even though I'm a, a humongous fan. But we try to avoid like the low-hanging fruit stuff because you can get that literally anywhere else. We try to give you guys a little bit more in-depth stuff with local matters and things that maybe not everyone else is touching on. But I can't resist, man. The Philadelphia Eagles are in every bit the worst-ran franchise right now in football. But I'm going to give multiple L's tonight, and I'm going to start with the Eagles because there's another team in another situation that I cannot ignore, and I'm actually pretty fucking angry about it. But I'm going to start with the Eagles because I have no attachment to it. I just think it's fucking hilarious. So they they hire, was it uh, Casario, I believe that's his name, the head coach that had, this guy had zero experience really. Uh, I think he was a coordinator for a couple years, but he's been at no level you know, worthy of being a head coach. He uh, has this horrible press conference. He's like, well, we're going to develop systems, and the systems are going to show how smart we are and our smartness. When we don't think about things, it's going to make our talent better. And then our talent shows how smart we are because of the systems. Like his 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 initial press conference could not have gone worse. I mean, I think I've seen better Carrot Top movies than that. Um, but the, the point remains, that's not even the worst thing that they've done. They, so 
recently they fired Doug Peterson, which which is why Casario now is their head coach. They fired Doug Peterson after a disappointing season. There was all this speculation about Carson Wentz and Doug Peterson not seeing eye to eye. Doug Peterson wanted Jalen Hurts to be the quarterback of the future, which is why he drafted him initially before the season this last year. Um, and and uh, the owner, uh, Lord, uh, was, I forget the uh, owner's name, the guy that runs everything in Philadelphia, um, he wanted uh, uh, Carson Wentz, according to reports, to be the guy. So that's why they ultimately fired Doug Peterson, allegedly. And so that happens. And then we see a couple months later that Carson Wentz gets traded to the Colts. And Carson Wentz has the highest cap hit number in the history of the NFL with $33.1 million still attached. That the Eagles still have to pay even though they just traded them. And, And I'm sitting here going... What was the point of firing Doug Peterson? And now we got Adam Schefter out here saying that supposedly Doug Peterson and Carson Wentz didn't talk for like, what was it, six, seven weeks of the final portion of the season. Like, and then the Eagles hire a guy that makes no sense as your head coach. You now have Jalen Hurts and you're thinking, oh, he could be the future. Now there's reports coming out of Philadelphia they're going to draft another quarterback. I man, I don't know what to make of this franchise. They're going to be terrible for a long time. So to just 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 to get right to it, cut the bullshit. Philadelphia Eagles, you suck, and now you have a state a statue of a backup quarterback that no longer plays for you, and a co- coach you fired three years after winning you a Super Bowl. Do me a favor and hold this L. L. Now my second L because Trevor's not here, and I'm going to dedicate this one for him. Um, and I can't I can't do it like Trevor where he's yeah. So I'm just gonna you know. Yeah, I'll bring the whole room down. Gonna, yeah, so the my dog died last night, and I'm just gonna have to, you know, tell you guys for 25 minutes why that sucks. So, anyway, you know, hold this L. No, I'm not gonna do that. But this one is serious, and I'm pissed off about it. I really am. So I told you guys from the very beginning that I thought it was absolutely comical that the Jacksonville Jaguars hired Urban Meyer. Because he has zero head coaching experience at the NFL level, and it seems like every two to three years, this guy's got some new medical problem that he has to quit and retire and come back to another job two or three years after that. So I was like, there's no way this is going to work out. It's clear and evident. He just wants to go there, make as much money as possible for two to three years, try to get an opportunity to win with Trevor Lawrence, and then bow out. And then Urban Meyer decides to hire this coach And I forget the guy's name. I can look it up so you guys can have a better understanding of what I'm talking about. And that way you guys can – because I think – I mean, I'm pretty sure it made the rounds, but to no one's surprise, it didn't uh, uh, make the rounds like I was hoping it would. Let's see here. So, Jack – yeah, so the Jags uh, were going to originally hire a coach by the name of Chris Doyle. And he's um, a former strength and conditioning coach at the University of Iowa. And if anyone remembers anything about Chris Doyle back then, he was accused of making racist remarks and was belittling and bullying players. And this was according to several reports, not just a couple players, but to several players. And this question naturally came up to Urban Meyer because he was putting together his staff and everyone was really questioning why Urban Meyer would want to have a guy like that on his staff. And so this is the actual quote from Urban Meyer. Quote, I vet everyone on our staff, and like I said, the relationship goes back close to 20 years, and a lot of hard questions asked, a lot of vetting involved with all of our stuff. We did a very good job vetting that one. 
I met with our staff and I'm going to be very transparent with all the players like I am with everything. I'll listen closely and learn. And also there's going to have to be some trust in their head coach that we're going to give them the very best and time will tell. The allegations that took place, I will say to the players, I vetted him. I know the person for close to 20 years and I can assure them there will be nothing of any sort in the Jaguar facility. Oh, that's really cute. And that sounds really great, you know, from Urban Meyer to sit here and give assurances and, and, and let, you know, the players know and all of us know that he vetted him and he's the right guy for the job. But what's funny about that guy is not even a week later, guess what Urban Meyer did? Or guess what Chris Doyle did, rather? He resigned. Urban Meyer has already, he hasn't even coached a single game at the NFL level yet and has already taken multiple L's. I mean, to be that out of touch. I mean, they even had um, former uh, former Chiefs player Chris Conley, the wide receiver for the Jaguars. When he heard of this news, he put it out on Twitter. All he did is put a simple question emoji. Like, you got to be kidding me because Chris Conley was the one that led the Jacksonville Jaguars protest during last summer. They were the only team in the entire NFL that led a successful march against injustice. And Urban Meyer comes there, and what does he do? He hires this piece of shit Chris Doyle, who has been a known racist, a known bully, and wants to defend it. But I guess it should make sense. When just a few years ago, when Urban Meyer shockingly stepped down from his Ohio State Buckeyes position, and his the guy the coach that was under him had some serious abuse allegations, domestic abuse allegations against him. And guess what Urban Meyer did with that guy? Defended him. It's already an utter failure in Jacksonville, guys. I'm just, you know what? I guess I am being like Trevor right now. I'm, I'm giving you guys the real, raw, gritty bullshit of this all. It, if you're a Jaguars fan, you happen to be listening to this right now, I really, really hope you brought enough tissues because you're going to be crying even more than you were before because now they're trying to give you a false sense of hope. There is no hope. Urban Meyer is going to fail in Jacksonville. And I feel, the one I feel the worst for is, 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 is Trevor Lawrence. He's walking into a complete shit show. And it's being headed by Urban Meyer, who defends domestic abusers and racists. Congratulations, guys. You got an alphabet letter coming up, and it's called Hold This Hell. Man, I was really looking forward to talking to Booker. Yeah. Von Booker's a good dude, man. I've been texting back and forth the last couple days. Really good guy, but I understand. Thanks come up, man. Thanks going. We shit. We don't have one third of our team right now, but yeah. looking forward to getting him back on. Nevertheless, man, I feel like this is a great show. It's fun. Didn't it wasn't a really long show, but Nevertheless, man, we had fun. Episode 104. God, we are, we're just blowing through these things, man. Before we know it, we're going to be back in the football swing of things, and I cannot wait. LeBron's going to have a second ring. Uh, but, you know, uh, we're just going to continue to talk sports, guys, as we always do. Thanks for all the Monday mail contributors. Monday mailbag contributors, rather. Shout out to our guy Stanley Simmons out there in Fresno, Cali. I'd love to hear back from him. And if anybody else, like I said, has a voice message they want to send att attached to us, Put it on our uh, Anchor app, guys. Uh, submit it, and we'll get it, and we'll we'll bring it up on the show. We promise you guys that. It's all about interaction around here, man. Things are getting better, guys. The the clouds are starting to part a little bit. And uh, I hope you guys are doing well out there, man. I really do. And I hope that we're playing a, a small part, at least a small part, in your guys' happiness. If not, at least we can give you guys a few laughs, right? So in that, for Eddie Ortiz, for Clay Wendler, for the entire KCPN family, I am Lance Twidwell. Episode 104 is in the books. It's done. The Spoken Podcast is out. See ya.
We're going to get out of this bitch. Thank you so much for listening, guys. See ya. You are tuned into the spoken. I might actually stick. I might actually stick around for a little bit.